here's a problem that I have with these readings. Are we jumping right in with a problem? We're jumping right in. Jumping right in. And the problem that I have is that they're all so good. And there are so yeah. many great imagery, so many great images. And it's it's hard to... I find these readings hard to focus on like one mm. thing to preach about. And one of the things mm-hmm. that I've really noticed uh, as I've been preparing homilies is the tendency to to do too much. I can feel that tendency rising with these readings. I find it hard to to really um, focus in on one particular theme. Did you guys have any luck? Uh, you mean one particular theme across the three? Well, I think especially with readings like this where you can have one homily per reading. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times guys do. Yeah, they give one right at the beginning of Mass. <laughs> and then yeah. during the homily. That at and worst, then at the end of Mass. At worst, you've got the five homilies. <laughs> at best, you've just got all five during the regular homily. Yeah. You know, Jonathan, if I were to... When, when I was preparing this, one thing stood out to me, and that is that each of the three readings had um, someone being called and that person considering themselves unworthy and apart from the unworthiness, they are still called. So in Isaiah, he says, I am a man of unclean lips. Paul says, you know, I as one born abnormal. And Peter says, depart from me for I am a sinner. Yet all three of them with Isaiah, his sin is purged. And then you have Paul, who is called to preach. And then you have Peter, who is called to be a fisher of men. So, I mean, to me, that, that would be... It's, that's a big statement, though, to preach on. It would that'd be, you know, that discipleship and sinfulness and worthiness and all that. But I saw that as a thread through all three. That's what I saw, this, this idea of unworthiness and yet being called. And then I think where I would want to take it is notice where... Peter is saying that he's unworthy. Depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinner. Jesus responds, do not be afraid. Jesus is identifying that at the heart of Peter's sense of his unworthiness is a fear. And then maybe to think about what does that fear mean? So do we sometimes use our sinfulness or our unworthiness as a distraction from what God might actually be asking us to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something that we're sometimes afraid of. Well, and along those same lines, I think each each of the readings also speak of a of a purification process. Right. You know, the fire of the coal burning away in the first reading. St. Paul has that great line, but by the grace of God, I am who I am. And this grace has not mm-hmm. been wasted on me. And mm-hmm. even though I toil harder, it's not me, but Christ within me that toils. And Peter's got to get those fish. He's got to get those fish. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That's purifying. <laughs> Similarly with the gospel, you know, when you think about Peter and the miraculous draught of fish, there, there's, you know, so in Isaiah, there was the shaking of the temple, but then there's this miraculous catch that is over the top. And it, it shocks the disciples in realizing, oh my gosh, they're to the point of danger, right? There's the danger of sinking. So there's the urgency piece, right, that they... Their life is on the line. So notice Isaiah, like the walls are about to crumble. And in Peter's case, the boat is about to sink. So there's something about discipleship, the call to discipleship, that there's something very striking in that experience 
that's not just bland, right? That they're and maybe it takes maybe it takes encountering your call when it does shake you to your core when you actually do find yourself desiring to respond. I wonder if there's also a connection there with and I think this is especially true with St. Paul and his and his story of how he was called going back to our this idea of the call out culture and how and how we fail all the time to live out not only to live out our call but to see each other as special and loved and all that all that good stuff and so what i what i mean by that why i bring that up is that i wonder if part of it in a way that we might be able to reach people is to say look we all suck at this we're all failing literally every day Mm -hmm. saint paul was the worst among them and yet he was called an apostle peter denied 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 and yet became the rock the foundation i think that some of it is really it's a healthy thing to be able to identify your own sinfulness so we're really good at calling out other people's behavior other people's sinfulness but we're not as good at, at identifying our own and the stories this week are about people who, because they've identified themselves as sinners, it shows that they're aware of their need for God's grace. Mm. And that the only thing that's going to fill that void is God's grace. And as soon as they're able to identify it, then all this grace floods in. Isaiah says, here I am, send me. Peter continues to follow Christ and leaves everything behind. There's this interesting relationship that we definitely see in the life of Paul as well of knowing that you're a sinner and then being able to step forward. Right. But you're not a disciple just because you're good or the Mm -hmm. best. You're a disciple because you're a sinner and you know your need for God. Right. So, Jonathan, when you were talking about the call-out culture connecting to what Louis just said, is is your point that... The Kala culture, that that tendency towards understanding prophecy that way, loses sight of calling out sin in myself. Yes. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, because I'm only focused on, well, I'm looking at the the splinter in my brother's eye and missing the plank in my own. Mm, yeah. Um, Louis, something you said uh, raised a question for me. Uh, so the line that stands out the, the, the loudest in the gospel that summarizes your point was Peter's response. Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And he's identifying himself as a sinner, but I've always wrestled with this line because he also tells the Lord to depart from him. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that because, like, I want to say that it's important for me to acknowledge that I'm a sinner, but a sinner that's loved by God, not a sinner that wants to be far away from God. How do you read that? I mean, do you see it as like, is this a statement of truth or is it a statement of like, out of my despair, I'm not worthy. I don't even get away from me. Well, I think that our sin itself is a statement of depart from me, Lord. Our sin is a way of saying, okay, whoa, like this is a little too much for me. I am not worthy of this call. I am not interested in what you're going to ask for me to do next. Just let me live my life and enjoy my fish and well, I'll be okay. And I think that, yeah, depart from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man is similar to Isaiah. I am a man of unclean lips in a nation of unclean hearts or unclean lips and I think that because of that identity, they're trying to create a buffer between them and God. And so often in my own life, if I feel like God is getting a little too close, I feel that sense of shame or sinfulness or whatever 
coming up and being like, well, this can't be real because I'm, I'm not this godly person that, that I'm supposed to be, or I'm not perfect in this way. Well, how many times have you either thought yourself or heard from somebody that, oh, I can't, you know, I can't do this. I can't go back to church. I can't do whatever because I'm mm-hmm. such a sinner. Like, I think that's a real human emotion to say, well, I'm so bad. Just go away. Get away from me. This isn't that moment, but that might give light into why Jesus said at, at that one point, get behind me, Satan, because that's coming from the evil spirit mm-hmm. to say, no, I can't go here because I'm unworthy when it's really the opposite. Right. You know, that, that quote that Pope Francis made popular that I've been saying for a while. Uh, that the church isn't <laughs> a showcase for saints, but a hospital for sinners. Are you saying that the Pope stole your quote? He did. Well, I stole it from somebody else, but I can't remember who. And then he started <laughs> using it. We, we tend to think of it as this is only for good people, when in reality, yeah. this is the medicine. Okay, so I want to add one, one little curveball here. Something that we haven't talked about yet that I was really struck by. Is that a baseball reference? Yeah, you throw it's well in Canada. There's a game called curling. It's more of a reference to that. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm enculturating here. Mm-hmm. So I'm really struck at the beginning of his letter, um, at least the excerpt that we have for this week to the Corinthians. Um, it doesn't just begin with brothers and sisters and then colon and then start a new thought. He says, "I am reminding you, brothers and sisters." I find myself really struck by the word "remind" because this means that this is a message that Paul has preached before. And if you think about it, that in context with what he does next, which is he goes through this whole litany of people who have encountered Christ, all of whom, including Peter, who's listed there, have been called at some point. And he's telling the current disciples in Corinth, you have also been called. And I need to remind you of that. You need to be reminded of the call that you've received. And I'm just really struck by that because I think sometimes we forget, like we forget the call. You know, we, we might be at the beginning of our vocation, like Isaiah or Peter, but we might be well along the way and need reminding sometimes that to keep this process going, you need to recall and be reminded of what was that initial encounter that you had with Jesus that puts you on this path. And reminding yourself of that sometimes is is important. I mean, or all the time to important to keep you on the path. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I feel like I need to be reminded daily why I'm doing this and what it's all for. Cause it's like you get so lost in the smaller things like community and school and work and apostolate and all those in your family and your friends and everything, trying to manage all of that. And to be like, no, actually there is an original call here, like a small mustard seed. You might oh my say. gosh. Oh my. <laughs> But there's an original call here that's important to always have your hand on or always have a foot in. It's like, no, this is a part of me that is continuing to grow and that is feeding me throughout right. my life. You know, when I when I wrote my letter to the province to ask for an advancement to, to orders, to be approved for orders, it was it was a very moving experience to go back to the first time I felt myself called to the priesthood. I can tell that story, you know, as if it was yesterday. Because there was a genuine encounter there. And it makes me wonder, like Isaiah, you know, at this point in his life is probably really young and he lives to an old age. And he can probably tell this story of him receiving a call to be a prophet or Paul in Corinth here or whoever's writing the gospel. Who is it? Luke this this week. You know, recalling these stories, Peter probably told this story 
later in life as well. I mean, I, I have it as a touchstone the first time that I felt the call or heard the call. And I think that's important to to have because sometimes the storm will be hard and it's good to go back to those moments for, for reminder. And and Paul is doing that in that reading where he's kind of giving a creed of like, here's all the people that have experienced the risen Christ. Here, Some of them are still alive, he's saying, and he's affirming all of that. Uh, but then he goes back to his own experience of having been having had his own encounter with the risen Lord and saying of all of the people who've been called of all the disciples, I have toiled the most Mm. because he had so far to come. But that experience must've been so radical that he turns his entire life around. So Paul's whole mission is being animated from being thrown off his horse. Right. And then the experience of the risen Christ in the first Christians. I think I would probably preach on all three of these as not from the perspective of like these men looking ahead, but like these men looking back on their original call. So I think when I first read them, I was like, oh, a young Isaiah who's for the first time feeling called. Instead, reading it as an old Isaiah remembering when he was first called. Hmm. Um, and I'm moved, I guess, by, by that way of looking at it because I find myself 10 years into this life looking back, you know, as I approach ordination myself and I'm thinking, you know, this has been a long road, you know, and when I go back to that 13 year old self and I say, look at that man called that boy who was called, it's a touchstone still, it's a present day reality, you know, and there's just something about my walk of discipleship that it's not just a memory, it's a reality, right. And it impels me to continue to act. So I think I'd probably frame all three readings in that way, you know, as as older men looking back on their lives and saying, this is my touchstone and this is what impels me to act. It's also a witness of a people, right? So a, a people choosing to look back on their own history and say, this is how God has called us and moved us forward. So I think mm-hmm. one thing you could do with that homily is like, yes, we keep those touchstones in our in our own hearts, like these moments, these graced moments in our lives that we constantly go back to as reminders of God's faithfulness and love. And yet as a people, we also have those experiences, right. uh, these moments in our history as Catholics, as believers, uh, where God has intervened. That's what's the great thing about like these feast days and saints and Marian apparitions and everything. It's like this collective like no Mm. no look like remember that remember how god did that yeah 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 that's a great point to look at it because i think our temptation in our modern world is just to reduce it down to my own experience and to say no our faith is our experience it's a corporate identity just as much as an individual one yeah i like that so i'm remembering for you louis and for you david Mm -hmm. And you for me. Thank God, because right. my memory is not great. <laughs> not it's great. really bad. You know, in a similar vein uh, to what you were saying, Louis, so this is a, something we haven't talked about, and we don't have to go in it for very long, but I'm also struck by the way that the gospel begins. The gospel begins not with the call of Peter, uh, but it begins with the crowd. Mm. And the crowd is pressing in on Jesus and listening to the word of God. So that in itself is an impressive idea, right, that... The crowd is with Jesus and they're listening to the word. But what I found interesting when I was listening to you, Louis, is that I asked the question of myself, Jesus here doesn't call anybody from the crowd. He calls someone out on the boat. And am I 
am I open to the idea that God will work new, unexpected ways? Like, it would be expected that he would call somebody from the crowd who's pressing in on him and listening to him. But he called a man who was out on the boat and who was fishing and not minding him any any time. Like, there's something about that that I found very striking. Is like, am I open to being surprised by God um, to work in a way that's completely unexpected? You know, and, that, and that's true of my call, right? But I guess even in the world today. Yeah, to call people that are unexpected. Mm-hmm. That sometimes like, it's surprising, like, who God actually chooses as followers. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot here. So three or four homilies next week. <laughs> five. 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 <laughs> five. You got to go the full five. Uh, <laughs> all right. What do you think? Yeah, I think we've got a lot of good stuff here. Certainly much more to pray with. Any final thoughts? Little pearls of wisdom you want to throw out there? I think I would want to somehow find a way to connect a lot of this to fear and how Hmm. (laughs) I just want to stick with my original plan and thanks for (laughs) your thoughts. No, but I think that somehow fear has a role to play in what it means to be a disciple that so often we let fear get in, get in our way. Uh, and it really takes a discerning heart to use something like the examen, uh, as a tool for, for ridding us of our fear so that we can be truly free to act as God is, is asking us to. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I think Isaiah is responding from fear. Peter is responding from fear. And Paul kind of demonstrates this fearless man that like he's acknowledged his sinfulness and God has given him the grace to say, I believe that God Mm -hmm. is enough for me and I don't need to fill it with something else. Like I can continue forward. And so maybe, yeah, what does that look like as a people as well? Like are we a, a church living in fear or are we a church choosing to rid ourselves of that fear and continue to step forward in the world. Final thought, I would just say um, one thing that I was struck by, which we haven't said yet, which I just want to mention because um, I think um, it's really important, is that the gospel writer uses the word likewise when referring to James and John uh, and their call uh, right after Peter's and said that they were partners of Simon. And I, I just found that a very like a very striking idea that their vocations and their calls are all intertwined that they all go together, that Peter is called, and then likewise James and John, who were his partners. And it just makes me think a lot about my friends, like you guys and others in the society, that our vocations are intertwined. And our ups are, like my ups are your ups, and your downs are my downs. And yeah, I've just had really beautiful moments in the society where I've realized that brotherhood is not just a nice way of describing our life. It's also true, you know, that we're all called, not to say that we're all called in the same way, but that God has called us to be, you know, companions in a very intentional way. And our, and our calls are somewhere intertwined. Yeah, I think, um, I think where I, and in fact, I will preach on this, this upcoming Sunday. Yeah, I think I'm going to look at this idea of prayer and remembrance. How do we, how do we use that as an active agent going forward? Yeah. How do we, how are we experiencing that, that earthquake, that that scary event of God calling us and how, how is it, how does it shape us into the future? Do we run away from it or do we leave everything and follow? 
All right. Great. That was fun. Cool. All right. Well, I look forward to hearing your homilies, uh, and I look forward to continuing our conversation next week. Sounds good. See you all then. TTYL. Ha, ha, ha.